the theme of this week, or really the theme of today for our time together is God can still use flawed people. And God can use flawed people to reach a flawed world. Okay, so we're going to be in John chapter 21 if you'd like to turn there. We'll be there in just a few minutes, but uh, we always like to, to talk just a little bit before we get there to try to give a little setup to where we're, where we're thinking or where we're going today. So um, flaws and all. So I just want to ask you a question as we get started here. How many of you would be willing to agree or admit that you have flaws? Anybody? Okay. Anybody say, I have no flaws? All right, so, so far, so we would just agree that we all are somewhat flawed, okay? We've got things about us that may not be the way that they should be. You know, our culture has difficulty with flaws, right? I mean, we do a lot of things. We go to great extent to remove flaws or to make things look as though they are flawless. And uh, I'll just give you some illustrations here. Some of these have to do with photos, right? So have you ever seen a photo that was... Photoshopped is kind of what they call it. It's been doctored a little bit. Uh, so my sister-in-law, Kelly, my, most of you know her. She's a photographer. And she could take a picture of you and I at a wedding in central Illinois somewhere. She could lift us out of that picture and put us on a cruise ship in the Bahamas. Wouldn't it be nice if it was that easy? Uh, I'll go to the Bahamas. Go ahead, Kelly. Put me there. Right? And make it look like you, were, you and I were literally on that ship. Right? having never even been on a ship in the Bahamas. So you could do things to that uh, extent to make things look different. Uh, but we also work in ways to make things look like they are flawless. And so you'll see people like a before and after, sometimes on the cover of a magazine or a homepage of a website, a person's skin is flawless, like on half of it, and the other side it kind of shows you what it really looks like. And so maybe they've got freckles or maybe they've got, you know, some, this is my sleep button. I don't know if you knew that or not, but. When my kids were little, they pushed my button and I fall asleep. So, what is that on your head, Dad? So, I got a couple sleep buttons on my head. Uh, and so, if I was to be in some kind of professional picture, they would probably try to remove my sleep buttons. All right, sometimes you'll hear people say, after you take my picture, can you make me look 10 pounds thinner or something like that? Uh, and, and they can. Uh, they just have their ways, all right? Kelly could make, uh, you know, our, our cheekbones maybe show more or she could remove parts that we didn't want to be you know, the size they are or enhance things maybe to be different than they are because we live in a culture that says where there's flaws, there's no value. Like it's really of not of much worth. Think of a manufacturer who produces T-shirts. A T-shirt with a logo on it and that logo is tilted. You know what they do with a T-shirt with a logo that's tilted? They throw it away, right? Because it has no value. They say it's Worthless, And so where there's flaws, then there's just no real, real value to that sort of thing. And even in music, anybody have a record player? Okay, I think I'm going back. That's been on my mind here. I think I'm going to get me a record player. We had a record player when we were kids, and we played the little ones. Were they 45s? Is that what those were called? You know, you had the little needle, and you could hear it like as it would spin around. And some of your records were warped a little bit, and so you could kind of hear the wobble in that thing as it would play around. Right? And it just had, like you could, some of our records I remember like a chair sliding in the background, or you could hear them moving instruments. Like it was just, it was unedited. And now everything is just digitally enhanced. 
right? I mean, it's perfect. And matter of fact, they can take people who are tone deaf. Like you could sing a song, I could sing a song as a tone deaf person, and they could adjust the tone of our voice to make it be perfectly on pitch. And you could record an album and sell it, and people would think you're the world's best singer, right? All because it's digitally enhanced. See, the problem is we're not really that comfortable with flaws. So where flaws exist, we've got to cover them up. We've got to get rid of them um, because they're, they're things that really create less value in us or may treat us as though we have no value. Now, I've mentioned this already a couple times already, but Thursday night at this bonfire, lots of people sitting around, and more specifically girls sitting around, talking about how they had people in their life who consistently tore them down because of their flaws. Because they weighed too much or because their hair was a certain color or because they couldn't play a sport or for whatever reason. And just the pressure that they felt to try to measure up to all these expectations of other people. And it's like, I could never meet their expectations. And so they felt like I have no value. I have no worth because of my flaws. And so they were doing other things to try to compensate for it, right? Let me highlight what I am good at. Let me focus on what I'm good at. And maybe people will start paying attention to that. And so they'll won't notice so much that, you know, I'm not the right size or I'm not the right height or my hair color is not right or I don't have the right, uh, I'm not the right circle of friends or whatever. So flaws, we live in a world that has trouble with flaws, okay? But God's in the business of working with people who are greatly flawed. You believe that? And that's the beauty, one of the beautiful things of being a follower of Jesus is that he's not called us to get it right and then come follow he just says, come as you are, flaws and all, all right? And I'll begin to reconstruct or I'll begin to transform in ways that are beautiful, that go way beyond the external or physical to things that maybe you never even dreamed about. So John 21 is where we're going to be begin. We're going to talk here. This is a familiar passage. We won't stay here long. We're going to really track more with a story than we are just a specific passage. But I want to use the story of Peter today to emphasize the importance of God still at work in us and God's Spirit still dwelling in us and you are still entirely useful to God. Flaws and all. Alright, flaws and all. And that's the point here this morning. So if you want to follow along, John 21, here's kind of the background. We find Peter and Jesus having a discussion on the beach. Jesus and Peter had had a discussion earlier at a supper and Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, no way. You know, I'll die with you. The last thing on the planet I would ever do is disown you. Never, never, never. You know, Peter's one of few people who followed Jesus who told him, you're wrong. That's pretty proud, isn't it? Jesus, you're wrong. I will never do that. And yet you know how the story unfolds. Peter ultimately denies Jesus a few times there. He understands. It just clicks. Jesus said, I would do this, and I just did it. And he goes out and weeps bitter tears. And now we're going to find Jesus here working to restore Peter. All right? And so this is the conversation here. Eating fish on a beach, Jesus just performed a miracle. Nothing on one side of the boat. Throw your nets on the other. Nets full. Peter jumps out of the boat, runs to the shore to have a conversation. 
It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And so Jesus said, feed my lambs. It's just this, it's this restorative work in the life of Peter. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And so he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. All right, feed my sheep. And what we're initially looking at here is a man who was flawed, right? Peter didn't get it right all the time. You and I don't get it right all the time. Peter was trying to follow the Lord with all his heart and sometimes his impulsive attitude got him in trouble. Has that ever happened to you? Peter was trying to follow Jesus and sometimes his mouth started working before his head. Has that ever happened to you? Like you'd like to go back, oh man, I shouldn't have said, why did I say that? Why did that come out of my mouth? I can't believe I just said that, all right? Or why did I do that? So we're flawed people, right? We're flawed people and yet even with flaws, you're of great worth and of value today. Even in a culture that says we need to cover it up, we need to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative, so to speak. That's not how it works here with God. And so though we're flawed, a few things we'll note as we progress through this story of Peter. All right? Initially is this. Though we're flawed, we're being restored. Though we're flawed, we're being restored. So there's a process that's going on in those who follow Jesus of restoration. That is where we're becoming more and more like Christ. So when we come to Peter in the Scriptures, we find Peter to be brash, find him to be impulsive, um, right? I mean, he's the first guy that jumped out of the boat. If you're Jesus, tell me, come to you on the water. And what's he say? Come on. Oh, no. You know, why did I do that? And so we see Peter gets out there, and that's what he's got to start. Why am I out here? Look at these waves. And he starts to sink because he gets his eyes misdirected. So he's impulsive, he's proud, he often gets his mouth in gear before his head. And we just talked about his denial, the one thing he promised that he would never do. And so let's read this here again in John 18. And this is that story that we just kind of outlined. Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself around this fire when Jesus is beginning to be tried. And so they asked Peter, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And he denied it saying, I am not. I'll die with you. I'll never disown you. You're one of his. I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him? That's with Jesus in the garden. And again, Peter denied it. And this was the third time at that moment a rooster began to crow. All right, so what did Peter do? All right, he did the very thing that Jesus said he would do. He did the very thing that he himself said he would not do. Have you ever been there? Lord, my eyes are fixed this direction and the commitment of my life is to live out this way and I will do this with all of my heart only to be faced with an opportunity to live out that commitment and fail. Been there? I've been there. Confronted with an opportunity and we fail. You know, sometimes when this happens, our flaws get magnified. We forget that there's a restoring work that's going on. Like God didn't save me when I was perfect. He saved a wretch like me. Right? Jesus died for an enemy. 
It's how God demonstrated His love is what Paul wrote to the Romans. And so sometimes when this happens, I begin to believe the lie that I don't have what it takes to follow Jesus. You ever said that to yourself? I mean, I've had that conversation in my head. If people knew who you really were, they wouldn't want anything to do with you. Just that old adversary just stirring up past and things in, your, in my head. Telling me, hey, this is your failure and because you failed here, you're disqualified. You're of no use. You can't do this Christian thing. You're supposed to be magnifying Jesus and all you do is magnify your flaws. You're of no help. You're of no use. And so sometimes we begin to feel like he's done with us, but that's simply not the case. And Peter needed to hear then what you and I often need to hear, maybe that's what you need to hear today. We're in the process of becoming more like Christ. We don't always get it right. When Peter's talking or Jesus is talking to Peter on that beach, that's what he's doing. He's reminding him. He doesn't condemn him. He doesn't come back in his face and say, I told you so. Didn't I tell you, Peter, you were going to deny me? And you said, no way. Well, who was right? He doesn't throw it in his face. He comes back to work to restore him. Right, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. All right, then you're still useful to me. And three different times he asked him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. And it's just reminding him that there's still a work going on. Flaws and all, there's still a work that's happening. Paul wrote about this as well in 2 Corinthians 4.16. He says, we don't lose heart because outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. What's that mean? It means there's a process of becoming more and more like Christ every day. And it's happening in you and it's happening in me. If you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been saved, His Spirit lives, resides, is at work in you, then this work is going on in you. As you cooperate with the Spirit, you're being changed. And some days you may see it dramatically. And sometimes you may go a day, a week, a month and think, man, I don't feel like God's working on me at all. Remember Joe, all right? Remember Tony, looking at people going, almost just looking past them, hope you're having a good week, and they turn around and say, God met me here. What? I didn't know that was going on. Yeah, there's things going on. There's a work that's taking place, not only in your life and mine, but those around us, because God's in the work of restoring people. And so let's remember that as we think about the flaws that we face each and every day that we have to work within. Now, before we progress here, I think the question's important. To begin the restoring process starts with really loving Jesus, right? The two greatest commandments, Jesus said, love God with all you've got and love other people as you love yourself. The restoring process begins when we recognize that we are a sinner in need of a Savior and we reach out to Jesus in faith, believing in Him as our only hope. He will begin then this work in us. And so maybe you're sitting here thinking, I need to improve myself, I need to get better, I need to get my life straight, I need to learn more Scripture, I need to be a better Witness, I need to stop doing X, Y, Z, and then God can use me. Listen, God can use you flaws and all. all right? God can use you flaws and all. And we see that throughout the Scriptures. Uh, we just have to remember that we're in a process. Let me just share some of these with you here. Here's some people in the Bible, and this isn't my list. I've shared this before, though, of people who would say they had a flaw which would disqualify them or make them unuseful to what God wants to do. And yet they were still useful. Like, in all honesty, do you feel like you're useful to God right now? 
I mean, do you feel like as I'm sitting here, as I'm breathing, as the life that I'm living and all the relationships, I am useful to God? Or do you, or do you feel like, man, I have no real value? Like, I don't know what my God purpose is. Maybe you feel like your flaws are shining brighter than your God. You know, Abraham had a flaw. Anybody know what Abraham's flaw was? God promised that he'd have a son. When did he finally have a son? I remember going to eat with Grandpa Malone at the uh, uh, Old Country Buffet in Decatur. Walking in with Lily. Me, Lily, and Stephanie. And Grandpa was eating with some people sitting at the table. And there was a lady there in uh, gray hair. And Lily walks in and she looks at her mom and she says, That's an old woman. We said, check please, <laughs> and we'll pay for hers. All right. uh, Abram was old, wasn't he? There's no way I can have a child. We're way beyond that, Lord. Like, that's my flaw, so to speak. It's just, that's an impossibility here, God. We can't make that happen. And God said, just wait and see. I'm God. You're not. Abram was old. You think about Elijah. Elijah was at the breaking point. He was suicidal, and yet God would use him. You think about Joseph, Joseph being belittled and abused by his brothers and everything that he went through. You could say, man, there's a lot of struggle, flaws, weakness in your life, Joseph, and yet God used him ultimately to save his people. Think about Job. Job went bankrupt, literally. Lost everything that had any monetary value, lost everything that had any worth, earthly speaking, and still yet God used him. Moses, what was Moses' problem? Moses and I have the same problem. Sometimes I feel that way anyway. Moses would get his tongue tied. Moses couldn't say what he felt like he wanted to say. It's here, I just can't get it out. Like I just stutter. I just stumble over my words. And, and yet God used Moses. Flaws and all. Right? God didn't say, I'll make you speak so eloquently. You'll speak like an angel. No, he said, I'm just going to use you. I'll be the power behind your motor. Just go ahead and do what I'm asking you to do. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was young. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Martha was a worry wart. Zacchaeus was small and money hungry. The disciples slept while praying. Paul was a persecutor of the church. All right, and these are people that we would say... These are followers. These are people of great faith. These are also people of great flaws. Right? So when you look at their life and you see their story, you go, man, that could be my story as well. Okay? God's going to write it differently because we weren't living in this period. It wasn't our job to do their task. But it was, it's not their job to do our task today either. So flaws and all, there's great purpose here for your life. Though we are flawed, you're being restored, and so am I. And that's comforting today. He's not done yet. Right? He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Right? He'll finish the task. So we're being restored even though we're flawed. All right? Secondly here, let's talk about the Spirit. We are people who are indwelt with the Spirit. So as we continue Peter's flawed story here, we're going to see that the Spirit descended on them and became or indwelt these disciples as they were waiting on 
what, God, what Jesus told them to go and wait for. And this is important. Right? So the Holy Spirit is the change agent. And if there's going to be any change in your life or my life, it's going to be the active work of the Spirit. It's not going to be because you and I just decide to do something apart from God. Apart from God, there's no life change that really matters. Okay, so we might modify our habits or our behavior, but we're not literally being changed. Or what we desire, or how we think, what we live for, where all those things are really becoming more and more like Christ. That's all work of the Spirit in us. So, even though Peter was flawed, what you've got to see here, and by flawed, I don't mean that Peter's out living rebellious, that he's living in some gross sin. I mean, he's trying to follow the Lord, and he got it wrong. Right? You see Peter in the garden following the Lord and pulls his sword out and cuts off an ear, and he just got it wrong. Trying to be zealous for the Lord, and Jesus says, you don't understand what's going on. This is supposed to happen. Put your sword away, and he restores the guy's ear. Right? So Peter's in pursuit of trying to live out his life here following Jesus, and he just has some flaws that come shining through, and that tends to happen for flawed people. But what I want you to see is Peter didn't repel the Spirit, even though he had flaws. Right? Peter didn't push away the Spirit. Like, I can't live in you because you've got these issues. The Spirit still made home within Peter. And so it tells us he invites us as we are. He comes to us as we are to begin this work of transformation to who he has dreamt for us to be. And so we see this in the book of Acts. This is Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, the disciples waiting on what Jesus promised would come. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages there as the Spirit enabled them. Alright? As the Spirit enabled them. So here's this movement of God. This is fresh. Okay? This is different in their day than it is in our day. Peter walked with Jesus, saw him ascend and said, wait for the Spirit to come. We live in a day where when we believe, all right, beyond the ascension, now that the Spirit has come, where there's faith, then there is this Spirit that takes up residence in the life of that believer. And so what we need to remember, Jesus met Peter on the beach, and I'm going to restore your life, Peter. Do you love me? Yes, yes, yes. Then I've got a plan for you, and I can still use you, flaws and all. So he worked to restore him, and that restorative work was going to come through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, was Peter perfect at this point? Right here, Acts 2, filled with the Spirit. From this point forward, is Peter perfect? That sounds like a, um, say that three times fast, you know, Peter perfect kind of thing. Peter's not perfect at this point. Peter's still struggling with how God could love all people. Peter's still struggling with how grace could go to all people. Right? You might remember the vision that he had and on this sheet and there's food on it and God says eat all the food and Peter says no way there's food on that sheet I can't eat it wasn't about eating food it was the gospels for all right you remember earlier back in February and March we talked in Galatians where Peter was hanging out with the Gentile believers and that was great until the Jewish believers came to town and then what did he do he started withdrawing from you guys because you're a bunch of sinful dogs and he came over here to all the law-abiding people. So he still had issues. He still had flaws, right? And yet the Holy Spirit was still present. I think sometimes we buy the lie where we have these flaws 
Because my flaw is present, it must mean that my God is not. Because I've acted in this way, it must mean that my God has vacated the premises. He's no longer living. He's condemned this building and I'm just left to my own devices. It's just not true. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says when God moves in, He begins restoring. The Spirit of God is the seal. It's a guarantee of this work of God in your life. And so let's read this. This is Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Right? Notice the progression here. When you believed, what happened? You were marked in Him with the seal. And what's the seal? The promised Holy Spirit. When does the Holy Spirit come to live within a person? That's right, at the point of belief. And so there's not this kind of second work somewhere where I believe and then all of a sudden, months later, the Spirit comes on me. Paul writes here and says, when you believe, you are sealed. The promised Holy Spirit has marked you, comes to take up residence in you when you believe. Let's go on and read this. Verse 14, the Holy Spirit who is a deposit, and what does He do? All right, He guarantees. He's the guarantor that you're saved. He's the guarantor of your inheritance. He's the guarantor that you and I are redeemed. We belong to God. We're His possession. And all that is to the praise of the glory of God. Okay, so at the point of belief, when you've believed, the Spirit took up residence in you. And He didn't come in because you got it right. He came in because you believed. And He came in me because I believed. And He's stayed with me. And He has been patient with me. And He has prodded me and He has comforted me and He has guided me and He is changing me. It's this process. So just because you have flaws doesn't mean you're out on your own. Figure it out. Find a way to get back in right standing with God. The promise is there's a Spirit at work in you and He's still doing the restorative work that we talked about in that previous point. So I just want to encourage you, don't let doubts creep in when you find your flaws come shining through that the Spirit has vacated the building. You know, where I've sinned, yes, I need to repent of that sin. And where the Spirit's working at me and I say, no, yes, I can quiet or quench the work of the Spirit in my life. We're not talking here about willful sin where we're just living in rebellion against God. We're talking about where we're pursuing the Lord and yet these flaws come out. Or we fail in an opportunity. We're trying to get it right and we just totally miss the mark. We just botch it big time. Don't allow your flaw to try to delete what is true in your life. God's presence is there in His Holy Spirit. So sometimes you just got to speak truth to yourself because you don't feel like God's present in your life. Remember what Jesus said before He ascended? Matthew 28 told us to make disciples. This is your mission. And I'm sending you out just as I've been sent. But just remember this. I am with you. How long? I am with you always. That's His promise. He promised when He went up, He would send something down. And we read it in Acts chapter 2 that when He went up, the Spirit came where? Down. The Spirit came down and filled the disciples. And the Spirit has been filling people who believe ever since. So you've got to know some things. Hebrews 13 tells you that He will never leave you. And that He will never forsake you. It doesn't say if you feel like it. It doesn't say when you get it right. It says that He will never do it. 
So walk forward with this confidence. Walk forward with some courage that even though I'm flawed, I'm not discounted. Even though I'm flawed, I'm not perfect yet, I'm still being restored. Even though I've missed the mark here, God's Spirit is still at work. He didn't vacate me. And so just come back to the Lord. Lord, I pray here, I really messed that up. You know, teach me to be quiet when I want to speak up. Teach me that people aren't entitled to my opinions. Teach me that other people matter more than I matter in my own life. Remind me of things that are true. Remind me that you are with me even when I don't feel like it. He's restoring you and He's doing that through His Spirit and He's doing the same thing in me. Even though we're flawed, if we believe, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That guarantee that we've been redeemed. And then third, and this is kind of where we're trying to get to today and this is uh, our last point, obviously. Though we're flawed, we're useful. Okay? Though we're flawed, we're useful. So a t-shirt that has a logo on it that's tilted, is it useful? Manufacturer says no. So get rid of it. Right? It has no value. Uh, a CD that has somebody singing on it and they're off pitch, is that going to sell? The world would say no, and so get rid of it. Now, a picture that has freckles or it shows things that just doesn't maybe look that appealing. Is that something that shows value and worth? Our culture says no, it's of no use, so we need to get rid of that. Like You've got to be perfect to be of value or use. In Christ, you are perfect. And yet we still battle with flaws here. And so I just want, to, I want you to hear you're useful today. If you're still breathing, you're useful. And you might say, well, I don't know what I can do for the kingdom. Okay, then pray. Pray your guts out. If I'm still breathing, God, which means you still got a plan for me, what is it? Lead me. Show me. All right? If you've got to drop a leaf on my head to get my attention, whatever it is, I just want to be that attentive so that as you prod or lead, I'll be sensitive to follow. We're useful to God's work. You know, so often I hear people, including myself, giving reasons why we can't do something. Anybody else wired that way? There's an opportunity. I can't do it, though. I can't, I can't do that because I don't speak very well. I can't do that because I'm not like that knowledgeable. So you really need somebody else. I can't do that because I don't understand the gospel. Like you want me to share my faith? I can't do that. I don't, I'm nervous. What if I mess it up? You know, I was talking with our evangelist from this last week and he and I just kind of have similar personalities. And he was just kind of going down his list of everything he felt like he couldn't do. I can't do this. I can't do this. And not real charismatic. You know, I'm not uh, like uh, the, that light, you know, you hang out in your yard at summertime. You guys hang out that blue light in your yard? They still even have those? I don't know. Maybe I'm dating myself here. Maybe bugs just randomly die on their own now. Used to hang this light up, a bug zapper, right? And there's this light and bugs would just be drawn to it and boom, they get zapped. Yeah. Some, some people have that. Like when you listen to them speak, you're just enamored. Like, oh, can you go on? Just, just don't stop. Just please keep talking. Right? I'm the guy that, in my own head, I'm saying, you need to get quiet. You should have been quiet 10 minutes ago. All right? Wrap this up, brother. <laughs> okay? So that's just who I am. Uh, and so I'm good at magnifying my flaw. And what I'm really doing, I'm putting more confidence in what I can't do 
rather than stepping out in courage and trusting what my God can do. And so if God's leading you, leading me in something, what He's saying is you're useful to me and when I magnify my flaw, I'm saying you're wrong. I'm just like Peter. And I'm not useful to you. Not in that way for sure. I'll help behind the scenes. Please don't put me somewhere where I have to talk. And God says you're useful where I've put you. Peter, even though he was flawed, and Peter knew he was flawed, he still had God confidence. He still had God confidence. We see this as we go on in the book of Acts here. You might remember a story. Peter was coming to the temple and he was met with a guy who had been lame from birth. Remember that story? That's Acts chapter 3. I don't know if Peter had pockets or not, but if he had pockets, he probably pulled them out. And remember, he said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I'll give you. And so in the name of Jesus, pick up your mat, rise up and walk. And this guy who had been lame from birth, chapter 4 says that had been more than 40 years, this guy walks in kind of hand in hand, arm in arm with Peter into the temple. And everybody's like, what's just happened? They're amazed. And so they want to give credit to Peter. Right? Peter's not willing to receive it. So here's what he says. It's by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong. So they knew he was crippled from birth. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. So where is he giving credit? He's giving credit to Christ. Where is he placing his confidence? Right? Peter wasn't there like walking in like he was the man with lights flashing and hey look here I'm super apostle Peter was the guy if you got in his shadow it's behind me if you got in his shadow you could be literally healed that's crazy we've got people day after day walk into doctors offices and doctors look at them and go I can't do a thing for you and they just walked in his shadow and were made physically whole Right? God had just worked in his apostles and in ways in establishing the authority of his church that he has ceased to work in different ways since then. And yet Peter wouldn't claim that as his own brag, his own boast. It's not me, it's in Jesus Christ. You might remember, remember Cornelius, the Roman centurion? Devout man, helped give money to the poor. He had a vision that he should send for a man named Peter and so he just did what the vision told him. He sends for Peter. Peter comes to this guy's house. And when Peter walks in Cornelius' house, what does Cornelius do? This is Acts chapter 10, verse 26. He bows down. Cornelius bows down at Peter. And Peter says, get up. He says, I'm just a man just like you are. See, Peter's confidence wasn't in himself. Like, now that I've got the Holy Spirit, I'm unstoppable. Peter's courage was in God. Was Peter still flawed at this point? Absolutely. He's being restored. He's indwelt by the Spirit, but he's not perfect. He's still got issues. And yet he is useful to the work of God. And so Peter heals this guy. God heals this guy, rather, through Peter. What would have happened if Peter would have just moped around and focused on his inabilities? Oh, man, I can't do that. Highlighted his sin focused on his past. You know, all the things, look at all the other gifts that people have. I don't have gifts like that. Nobody's life really matters because I'm around. 
people would be better off if I wasn't here, kind of the George Bailey syndrome. What would have happened? I mean, God could have sent somebody else to this lame man, but Peter wouldn't have had that story. He wouldn't have been useful in that moment. See, God wants to use you. God wants to use me. And what we're hearing here is that we're useful, even though we have flaws. And so we need to have confidence in our God. Uh, just real quick, I want to share a story, and I think I've told you this before. I know I have. 2004, when we purchased our home here in Granite, my mother-in-law came to town, and we were out at O'Fallon Walmart for some reason getting some stuff. You might remember this story. It's pouring down raining, and so my wife and my mother-in-law and myself are standing between the doors, you know, the in and out doors, that little kind of entryway where the shopping carts are. It's just pouring. There's a whole group of people standing. We're just crowded in waiting to get out. So very few people are coming in, but there's one lady who's coming in. And this lady came in wearing, it was a gray, like different shades of gray, snakeskin pattern. Um, I think you call them body suits. Is that right? It's kind of like a swimsuit. It's got the straps. I mean, it's just, and it was probably three or four sizes too small. And, I, and she is hanging out everywhere. And she's got on cowboy or cowgirl boots, purse on her shoulder. Hair's just drenched, and she's walking in like this. Like she owns the place. And these two ladies beside us, these two black ladies were like, mm-mm, I know she didn't. And we're just trying not to laugh. It was just one of those things, and you just watched her walk in. It's like, and what I was thinking then was like, I mean, something's just not right. You know, I mean, just don't, normal people don't do that. But as I was thinking through this message, I was like, man, that takes a lot of confidence. You know, my wife and I, that's kind of our saying when we go to the beach. Her family lives right by the beach, so we visit that often. And we'll lay there in the sand watching the waves roll in, and somebody walks by and says, man, I wish I had his confidence. You know, like, I can't pull off a Speedo like that, you know. He's not pulling it off either, but he doesn't care. You know, he just doesn't care. That's confidence. He's got flaws. She's got flaws, but they're, they're confident. And I'm sitting here writing this out, and I was thinking, that's, that's what I want. I want God confidence that looks like that. People look at me and go, why is he doing that? There is no way I would give that way. There was no way I would set aside my time and devote to this person who doesn't even care to fix their own life. I would never live that way. Like where you look at it and go, he's just not right in the head. Not for my own boast. I just want to see God continue to change people's lives. I want to see those who have no hope, you know, come to find hope. Don't you? I want to see those who are just, who are just swimming in their own darkness realize there is light and come to the light. I want to see people who are just trapped and cycle generation after generation of addictions or abuse or this is the way we've always done things and and find freedom and hope in Jesus. And what it's going to take are people like you and I just to have some God courage, even though we have flaws. Not to strut, but to display what it looks like to have confidence and courage in God, even though we're flawed people. So I'm not saying wear your swimsuit next Sunday. 
But I am saying let's pray for opportunities to be used. And let's pray for God to increase our courage. And let's pray for God to put our confidence, help us put our confidence where it should be. Rather than magnifying everything that I can't do and all my inabilities, and let me tell you why I'm unable, let me be a man of faith who says, I'm trusting my God in this. And I'm stepping out in this. And I know I can't do this. But I believe God's in this. And so I'm following. And if that makes me look silly or odd or like a guy who has a lot of confidence, then that's the guy I want to be. That's the people I want us to be as well. So if you're breathing, you're useful. All right? Let that spur some confidence in you. My God still has a plan for my life regardless of my flaws. That little kid song, he's still working on me. Right? He's still working on you. You're useful. If you believe he's restoring, and just know that his spirit is at work. So I want to encourage you today, don't let your flaws define you. They're as real and they're often more present. We see them more clearly. People tend to point those out uh, more so than maybe the God kind of the qualities. But you're being restored. Trust that. You're indwelt by His Spirit. Know that. And you're useful to God. So let's move with courage, confidence, however He prods and leads our life. All right?